Hey, this is John Wills again with another profound uh, podcast. I've got a great old friend. We don't see each month, other, but like we go back way back with uh, DevOps days. And uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure I met you at the first DevOps days, uh, or maybe the second. I, I can't remember. Pretty early on, yeah. Pretty Austin. Early. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. That's right, Austin. And uh, and um, yeah. So um, Donna, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? So hi, I'm Donna Knapp. I am the Curriculum Development Manager for ITSM Academy, which means that I develop and maintain our course materials. We focus on IT service management, Agileine DevOps. The coolest thing about my job is my job is to learn a bunch of stuff about a lot of different things and then figure out how best to share that with other people. So uh, for somebody like me, who's very much a lifelong learner, it's a great gig. And uh, I've been with the Academy for, uh, I was just told 16 years, my, my, uh, the people at the Academy always have to remind me how long it's been. <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, and, and so clearly I'm, you know, I love what I do and I love who I work with. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's great. You know, I, I, um, I remember, um, you and Lisa and you did all sort of showed up at the DevOps days and you had this strong service management background and like, Wait a minute. This and I actually had in another life, you know, very early um ITIL and but it was more about back in the days when you had to sort of certify a product on ITIL, less about the oh, okay, gotcha. It's so yeah. early, early on. And again, we don't want to go there, but but it was there was this sort of like why are service management people showing up at a DevOps conference? And like, you know, we had no clue where the origins came from. And and I guess that leads to my sort of first question with you. I always like to ask guests. Um, you know, have this sort of relate learning relationship. I think you said earlier with De- Dr. Deming. <laughs> so, what what is your? How did you become a Deming sort of life learner? Or so um, very early in my career, I actually pulled out an old resume just to figure out what year it was, and it was 1982, which is a long time ago. Yeah, um, right. ten years in my mind, but we all know it's more than that. Uh, I worked, I was the IT liaison to my company's ISO 9000 initiative. And years later, I kind of understood how really well run this program was, because what they did was they brought in people from all different parts of the company. And we all went through a little training program. We got a little bit of lean education. We learned about total quality management. We learned about statistical quality control and process design and improvement. And that's where I was introduced to Deming because, and I'm a little bit of a pack rat, so I'm always shocked when I don't have things, but we were actually given a little workbook as part of this program. And the workbook had a whole bunch of Deming quotes laced throughout this workbook. And that, that started it. Like, you know, I was, who was this guy Deming? What's, What's he talking about? Let me, and Deming, you know, the more time you spend with Deming, the more uh, along the way, you're going to be introduced to things that are counterintuitive. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You're going to be like, what's he talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I always feel grateful that I'm very much a lifelong learner. And, um, and so I go on these little journeys where I, I, I go off to try to figure out what was he talking about? You know, when he talked about whatever principle sure. or, um, and, but it was really early on, and I'm always super grateful for that opportunity because really today, I continue to um, kind of always want to learn about, you know, things he viewed as important, you know, leadership, you know, employee experience, sustainability, like he, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he never used the word sustainability like in its pure form. Right. But he talks about sustainability all the time. Yeah. Right. He never used the phrase employee experience, which we use all the time today. But yeah. he talked about employee experience all the time. Right. So um I guess I continue to learn from him. And uh I I I I am completely convinced that he was ahead of his time. We're only now just starting to wrap our head around what he was trying to help us understand. And we you know, in a lot of ways, we still aren't doing, you know, right, right, right. the things he suggests we do. But uh, 
but that's where it began, right? Really early on in my career. And I've continued to just kind of along the way, try to learn from him. I think that's what's fascinating about Deming. You know, the most people's experience are, are similar. I mean, it's, you know, for me, it was a gentleman named Ben Rockwood who, you know, it was the early DevOps days. We were doing something on, uh, and the people who have heard this podcast heard it a million times, but it was an uh, open space on uh, theory constraints. And I had basically really delved into GoRat. I mean, because, you know, I met Gene. Gene said, hey, before you read an early draft of my book, you should read this book, which was the goal. And I, I just started consuming everything GoRat wrote at that point come into this open space like all right and 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 Ben Rockwood sort of not really because Ben would never do this but sort of pats me on the head and said oh John John it's it all goes back <laughs> damning I'm like no no and but you know and, and his sort of proof case was go read the 14 points just google 14 points and and like you with the quotes right it was wow like this you know to me it was everything we were trying to say in in DevOps like he was saying this well, like I don't know 20 years, 40 years. But the other thing right. that and the other thing I think is fascinating is like if you're an insatiable learner and you love to learn to learn, right? Deming is the greatest gift because there are things that like 10 years ago that I thought I understood. Then five years later, I'm like, oh, I didn't really understand it. It always made sense. And then right. I mean, even recently, and we can get into this a little later, but I, I I like had this, oh my goodness, like you know, the difference what he called analytical statistics versus enumerated statistics, right? And it and it just fascinates me that every time I think I understand something, I'll read something else by him, we'll just have a couple of words. Mm-hmm. And like, whoa, whoa right. there's a reason why he used those words. And then I'm like, you know, maybe I don't understand this as deep as I and and yeah. oh my goodness, it's it's the ultimate puzzle, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that therein lies a true lifelong learner is that you're always willing to challenge your, you're always willing to recognize that, like, hey, I really thought I understood this, and then all of a sudden you'll read something or somebody will say something, and you'll realize, like, all right. Hmm, Like, I've kind of learned that if I have a, a like, visceral reaction to something somebody says, like, I push back on it. Yeah. To me, that tells me, like, you need to challenge your beliefs on this. Because some, you you know, intuitively or in the back Mm -hmm. of your mind, there's some kernel of truth there. And you don't yet understand why it's a truth. You don't understand, you know, what there's some limiting belief that's standing in the way of you really truly understanding. And now you need to go on a journey to try to better understand. Oh, that's brilliant. No, cause I, I think it like that. I love that. Cause like it is, if you can't immediately defend the, like you're mm-hmm. right, you have this visual effect, like, no, I, I don't think, I don't believe that. Or like, like it, it sort of hurts my, you know, like the way I, you know, like right. everything I know. Of no, my, you're this, wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 but if you can't like say, oh no, here's why you're not right. Right. Then that's, you're right. That should be an immediate clue to like, mm-hmm. I should, you know, and that is the sort of the theory of knowledge. Right. Right. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, and he, you know, kind of gaining the insights and I, I think, um, we just did last year, Michael Cardinal, who um, is, uh, I think his current title is like Director of uh, Business Proce- Process Management at uh, Third Era. But he and I did a presentation at a conference called What Would Deming Do? And one of the things we talked about is that idea that it's not just about kind of knowing this stuff and reading what his points are, but really understanding like, why was he making that point and what what are the insights to be gained? And I think sometimes I find in the IT community in particular, we are sometimes, we're very enamored with the new and shiny, right? Mm-hmm. And we always just think we're different and yeah. what we're going through is different. And, you know, we like these old ways of thinking aren't relevant to us. Mm-hmm. But just to your point about IT service management, like why are these IT service management people showing up in the DevOps days? Well, here's the reality. If you're doing DevOps, you're doing IT service management, right? You're handling incidents, you're making changes, you're making releases, you're managing portfolios, you're doing service management. You're just not calling it that. Right. Or you're just not doing it in a way that, you know, you mentioned the idle framework. 
historically, you're not doing it in a way that the IO framework says you should be doing, but you're doing it, right? So let's just accept that and let's understand, right? Let's, let's try to gain the insights that we need to understand why this is important and to the context of Deming, why what he's had, continues to try to teach us, because I don't think we've learned all of his lessons yet. Um, but why do we need to try to challenge our beliefs and kind of wrap our heads around what he was trying to say? Because if we don't, I just think we're in big trouble as a um, global community. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think you're right. Part of the, the problem is the, um, you know, the, like we saw it, we've, you, both of us have been doing this long enough that even sort of even my initial reaction to was some of the people even before we coined it DevOps was, you know, like meeting Luke Kinnis with Puppet, right? And him talking about like, like him using the phrase change management. And I'm like, oh, what does this young, young, young man know about? Like, cause we come from an age where you were in like, you know, some of the largest telcos and, and, uh, and, and, and switching fabrics in large banks. Right. And like, right. now you want to know what like change management looks like there. And it's, it's, it's very mature, probably rigid, what well, definitely rigid in modern times, but, 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 but then like, you know, I think that was one of the good things about, you know, like you, Lisa, myself, and there's a fair other people that were sort of had been doing all this stuff prior. You know, for me, it was I've been doing Tivoli stuff, right? IBM Tivoli. And and right. so I was able to sort of look at both worlds and sort of, I mean, I guess that's the positive thing about learners, right? Is that, you know, you either come into it and say, we've already done that before. There's no sense doing that. Or you come in like you guys did and I did. We're like, this is fascinating. Let me help you try to, you know, let's let's drive this car right. together, but let me try to help you understand what 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 sort of IP is already out there that enforces. Right. Yeah. Because I was gonna ask you about like that's the I'd love to hear your version of it. Like, you know, I, I think for me, I didn't really come in, you know, I knew idle. Uh, but I've been doing like large, um, you know, pre DevOps automation infrastructure, typically type stuff. And it wasn't until like a little bit deeper into my DevOps journey where I realized, oh my goodness, it was sort of coordinated with the Deming experience, but like, like, oh my goodness, like everything we've been saying has really been talked about in Lean, <laughs> you know, and then where does Lean come from? And, you know, and then like the overlay of service management. So like, what was your sort of view as you sort of young saw all these youngins, not me, but like talking about like these new shiny objects when you, you were coming in and saying, obviously at that point you were like, like we've done a lot of this before, but how, how were you, how did you, I don't know, this is a crazy question, but how did you connect the dots? Well, it kind of took me a while because, so I'll, I'll give you kind of a couple of specific examples. So I was a change manager at one point in my career. And, you know, this was back in the mainframe days. Right. And so change management was, in fact, a discipline. You know, you had to understand that, like, and I worked in a manufacturing company. So, and I'm always super grateful because I, um, so tangential story, I was a service desk manager at the same job at one point. And the system went down at one point and the shop floor manager called me on the phone and said, get down here. And I was like, well, we have the, we're having a system problem right now. I'll come down when I can. And he's like, get down here. And he slams down the phone. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking into the shop floor and thinking to myself, man, it's really quiet in here today. I had not connected the dots, right? Shop floor down equal bad, right? If the computer system is down, the shop floor is down. And if shop floor is down in a manufacturing company, we're going out of business tomorrow. Like I was always grateful for to him because he called me down. He proceeded to chew me out for 15 minutes about he, the fact that he had 30 union workers sitting on the dock smoking cigarettes, mm. right? So I kind of got that connection, first of all. And I also was a change manager. So, you know, you have to understand your, sometimes how you get to places. So what did that teach me? Oh, okay. I need to be a little more risk averse. I need to be, I was a change manager now. I need to be a little more risk averse. I need to be careful because if we have a change that goes bad, the shop floor goes down and shop floor down and go bad, right? So I became one of those change managers who was maybe overly risk averse, right? And 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 so now I come into the DevOps community with this 
history, right? This view of change management. And it took me a really long time to kind of wrap my head. And at the time, that community was like, we don't need no stinking change management. Like they they thought they didn't need change management at all. They thought they should be able to do anything they want to do anytime they want to do it. And I like years later, I did a presentation. I did an Ignite at a DevOps days. And, you know, I kind of said to the audience, can we all agree that if nothing else, we need to know what changed, who changed it, and why it got changed? And everybody went like, yeah, we can agree. And it's like, okay. So you just all agreed we need change management. So now let's talk about how we do change management in the modern world. So it took me a while to wrap my head around all the things that the DevOps community was doing to mitigate risk, right? And that's that's what I had to get to in my right, head. Right. They were let's talk a little lean. They were making smaller changes. They were right, making right. frequent changes. They were, you know, they were applying automation, you know, where they could for 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 testing purposes. Um, fast forward even, because when I first came into the DevOps community, we weren't necessarily, or at least I wasn't being exposed to things like Blue Green and, right. you know, dark launches and some of the stuff that are like really commonplace today, which again, right. help you to minimize the risk. So it kind of took me a while to wrap my head around all the things that were being done in that community to mitigate the risk that that then led me to understanding like, oh, okay, this is just standard change, right? What we would call in idle terms, a standard change. Like you're making a change through a trusted and secure DevOps pipeline. We can call that a standard change. You don't need to go in front of the cab. All we need is a record of the fact that you made that change. But it took me probably a couple of years Quite honestly, it took me a couple of years to get to that place. Um, so I think it's yeah. I think it's where um, you know we went through a lot of years of framework wars, right? We're not doing idle because we're doing DevOps, or we're not doing agile because we're doing DevOps, and we're not doing you know whatever because we're doing whatever. And really, if you look at the highest performing organizations, they they're doing it all. Right. And and they're they're not doing any of it in its purest form. That's right. They're pulling bits and pieces, right? Based on their circumstances, needs, and goals of all these different ways of working. They're pulling these bits and pieces together and, and coming up with what is what works for them. And 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 what Deming has taught us, if nothing else, is what you need to understand is that what's working you for you today isn't going to work tomorrow. So you better be starting to think about the future, right? You better be 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 looking ahead a little bit as well, because if not, entropy is going to set in. Your systems are going to deteriorate, it's and you're going to be right back where you were. It always kills me. Like I've had situations where we've done training, like I've gone in and done idle related training or dev, even DevOps related training. You know, we trained up you know, hundreds of people within an organization and we come back years later and they're a mess. And it's like, yeah, what happened there? You know, like somewhere along the line, they let entropy sit in. They let their systems decline. They didn't practice continual improvement and it all starts to fall apart. Yeah. And, I, yeah. It's just funny, um, you know, there's, you just had a couple of things I wanted to drill into based on what you said. Um, but there's this famous, it's not even really a quote, it's a it's a, a video of sort of funny clips of Deming talking and and there's a um there's a one of his students says, Dr. Deming, you know, I was here in your seminar a, a couple of years ago and you said X, 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 Y, Z. Now you're saying ABC, and he's like, you know, like a, a terrible impersonation, but I will not apologize for learning. You know, like it's changing. <laughs> uh, that's part. awesome. I never, I've never yeah, seen that. Yeah, it's a great awesome. one. Uh, but one thing I also want to point out for people who are younger, um, you know, I, I think somebody who was younger might question, like, how did you not know that computer down is business down? Well, back in our day, that wasn't obvious to everybody, even in the IT infrastructure, the way right. it was so early that we didn't really understand the true, you know, business that's what we learned in the 80s right but but the the other thing that, that i really want to drill in on is i i was literally it's kind of funny we were talking about sort of change and and trying to explain to the devops community that like let's agree let's change um i um i, I you know it's not that i've coined this but i've sort of 
trying to create like this. There is a DevOps heuristic. And, you know, and if you go back to visible ops and were you involved in visible ops? Yeah. Good, yeah. Good. Let's let's hold that just for a second then, because I thought you were. <laughs> um, and we'll explain visible ops. But visible ops is sort of a, the gene and a group of you did a bunch of research and we'll drill out. But there's a heuristic in there. It's not called heuristic. It is basically that, you know, I think it says 80 percent of all outages are related to changes. And then, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, the you know, SRE double down on it. It was a tenant of SRE that Google wrote. It's like they said 70%, but who's counting? And then, you know, I don't know if you ever had a chance to read John Osborne's um, Master's Capstone. It's it's a brilliant paper. I mean, it's very academic. It's sort of, it. No. It, yeah. yeah, I'll send you a link. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. But what he did is he basically tried to come up with sort of heuristics for incident management while he was at Etsy. So he literally did it and he got his master's degree in it where he took like some major outages and looked at how people behaved and how they solved things. Right. And he flat out in the thesis said there are three heuristics uh, in incident management, modern, you know, large scale cloud, cloud computing, you know, infrastructure. And the first heuristic was the probability of an incident is most likely related to a change, right? Like that mm-hmm. is as pure as gold. You know, is anything if if there is a phrase a DevOps heuristic, that's it, right? And and so it's always fascinating to me that this community so very much pushes back on change management. And I under like I can understand it because again, I was guilty of establishing overly bureaucratic processes and overly controlling processes. Like I was guilty of it. Um, and but 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 I learned better. Right. And so now I very much encourage ITSM professionals to think very differently about change management and, and kind of, right. you know, encourage them always to understand, you know, that if you're living in a waterfall world, that's one thing. And let's be clear, waterfall still exists in some organizations. And if you're living in an agile DevOps world, it's very different and you have to adapt uh, uh, accordingly. But um you know, until the day comes, then we that we've that we've gotten so good at system design and development that we don't produce incidents. <laughs> yeah. We need, you know, processes like change management and processes like incident management and processes like problem management. And if we if we have time, we'll have a little rant about root cause analysis because that's another area where I'm constantly challenging myself to understand why the DevOps community thinks the way it does. Um, but uh, we'll get there if you want to. Yeah, we could go. It's um, it, that took, that was a struggle. It's a struggle for anybody who is sort of comes out of a, the background that we came to. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the thing that I, I really liked about some of the stuff that I've seen your presentations at DOS and, and Jane and, and Lisa's, you know, and, and one of the things you guys have done really well is these translations, like, like, even what you said earlier, like, like, what, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to tell you that you, you people who have built this incredible, fascinating automation and infrastructure and delivering value fast and resilient, right? Like, that, um, that you need to stop doing that. But I am going to force you to say, there is a change management process, right? Like, right. Like, right? And that, that, I think you made that point really clear. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and when I talk about the heuristic, and I think we agree, is the way we meet in the middle is, like you said earlier, like, you know, like when you finally came to realization, oh, hey, y'all, that's standard change. <laughs> you don't have to go to the cab for that, right? Right. And, you know, and I think, so a lot of that is, like, you know, like, and even when I say the DevOps heuristic, I'm not saying like for anybody, I think anybody who's gotten this far in my podcast <laughs> understands me well enough to know that if I say change, you know, that sort of change thing. It isn't meaning that you can't do change or have a cab of more restrictive. It means that you need to basically have a way to understand and record the changes. And, you know, and the more automated you can do, hey. beautiful. But like, because you know anyway by by sort of law like uh, and governance and risk you you know you you know you will get fined or shut out you know lose a banking right. license if you don't have evidence of a change but then go back to the incident 
um, is a into the heuristic. It is you know by some of the giants, Gene, yourself, your team, the people who invented SRE at Google will, will tell you this: that like like it, change is most likely the first place to go look for incident resolution, and therefore nice. you better have some form of a change management process. You know, and and that doesn't get away with automation. I think I made my point, but yeah, right. Well, and I think, um, you know, I have I kind of preach this philosophy all the time: make it easy for people to do the right thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm seeing some organizations doing some really inventive things with incident management. One of our uh, clients has something they call the bullet train. Um, Publix, which is a supermarket chain down here in Florida, I live in Tampa, Florida, um, also kind of years ago, kind of instituted a similar approach where if you've proven that you produce high quality changes, right? If you've proven that you're 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 embracing good design and development practices, you're 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 doing the appropriate level of testing, right? You kind of can prove up that you're doing all the things that you need to be doing to 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 produce a high quality change and to mitigate the risks and uh impact potential impacts associated with that change you get to go really really fast right if you on the other hand are wreaking havoc on the production environment every time you make a change you're going to have to endure a little bureaucracy right and i like when i was a change manager i can remember going to project managers and 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 sitting the reports on their desk and saying to them, look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're wreaking havoc on the production yeah, yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah. Every time you make a change, the phones ring off the hook on Monday morning. Like you need to understand what you're doing and you don't feel the pain of that. And this is one of the things the DevOps community has done that I think is really good, right? Is the you hold, you build it, you run it philosophy of life. Like yeah, yeah. they should be feeling the pain. Right. Yeah. They should, in fact, be the ones that get woken up in the middle of the night. But but I think one of the things that's challenging right now, John, is companies are all over the place, aren't they? Like you you have some companies that have these, you know, product centric teams where they build it, they run it, they own it. They're taking care of everything. You have organizations that still have dev and ops and the two don't talk to each other. You have companies that have DevOps teams that are standalone inside, like it's kind of all over the place. And so what's challenging for IT service management professionals today is they have to kind of understand where their company is, what's going on in their organization, how all these different disciplines, Agile, Lean, DevOps have been introduced and what state of maturity they're in, and then adapt IT service management accordingly. Because how what change management, as an example, looks like in all of those different environments is, in fact, very different. What incident management looks like in those different environments right, is right, very different. Right. So it's 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 really an in, both interesting and challenging time from that perspective. The companies are all over the place. But you know, it, it, it made me think. Of, I love. I'm, I'm loving this conversation, by the way. But uh, the um, you know, when you talked about like the bullet train or what public's trying to do, you go. I mean that that is the methodical Google SRE structure. I mean, they've just, they figured yeah. that out. And so that's people whole, how to do it right. Exactly. And, the whole point, and then they sort of codified it as a process. Now it, it still runs through these like weird translations. And that could be another podcast of how service management teams sort of say, Oh, we're DevOps. Why? Because we, we're now called SRE, right? Like that, that's, right. that's terrible. But, um, but, but the thing I always, when I really understood it was Damon Edwards who really, originally deep dived on SRE and like I got to just sort of sit in and on his on his wave if you will um to ride his wave and and the thing that made really clear to me was and, and we we wrote about a little bit of this in the Dow sandbook too we I don't know if we call it SRE but we got it from Tom Lomicelli who was SRE um which was there was a it, it was a transaction you know a developer would basically have some service or something they'd go to an SRE team in Google and the SRE team would say, well, you know, you got to have this. You need to instrument that. Like they need to have not only proof that they could, they didn't wreak havoc. They needed right. instrumentation in the in the code that they were going to manage. So there would be this back and forth and they'd finally come and like, okay, we can manage this. But here's what's right. going to happen now. You know, we're going to give you, um, you know, sort of an, you know, uh, an SLO, you know, SLO, 
you know, of like some 99.9 and, and, but, and you're going to pay, you know, in funny money or Google money, this amount, and that's the transaction. And, and, and at that point, what that's saying is you've given us enough information that we've got an expert group on managing reliability that will manage it for you. But, you know, what Tom Lemoncelli said in, in some of his books, uh, the cloud, uh, I have to put the link in. I don't have perfect memory anymore, but I never did. But uh, you know, he you know he said that you know you could get kicked out of Google's SRE, like if you didn't own up to your contract, like you sort of you let um, you know you let sort of non-functional sort of drift, and and all of a sudden you know they would literally say, okay, you're not on the SRE manager, like you're out, right? Right. And so that you know that that whole thing about. Google's was just their way of learning what you have learned in the industry is that there's a way to do change if you don't recap it. The way you don't recap it in a more prescriptive way is you do proper instrumentation such that the people who re manage reliability, the operations or SRE or whatever you want to call it, um, can manage it to the way that they can isolate whether it's your problem or it's a system problem. So it's really, that SRE was to me, I hate how the industry has has sort of morphed SRE into a self-serving thing. But in general, the purest idea of it is like what, what you've been saying and what is sort of the core tenets of, uh, of how we should and how, how successful high-performing organizations do right. operate. Well, and I think one of the coolest ideas that comes out of SRE is the concept of the error budget. Because... There's this constant struggle against speed and stability, right? We call it the wall of confusion in the DevOps community and, you know, that constant battle behind right. between speed and stability. But here's reality. The business wants it all. So let's figure out how right. we can achieve it all, right? Because that's what we have to do. And so I think error budgets, because, you know, what error budgets kind of say is like, look, there's this expectation that your system is going to be X percent available, which means you've got a little room for error, so to speak. And that's what allows you to experiment. That is what allows you to kind of figure out like, okay, how fast can we go before we break the line, right? Before we, we start to impact availability and before we, you know, start to, you know, impact our customers and, 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 I, I think where, you know, to your point, like where I get frustrated sometimes is organizations adopt the, we're doing SRE. It's like, okay, so if an error budget is exhausted, do you stop development? Well, no, we would never stop development. You're not doing SRE. <laughs> you right. know, well, what, what you know, there has to be a consequence if you yeah. exhaust that I mean, error budget. Damon had a really good, I think that's another sort of misnomer that people think about error budgeting and they go, I can't use it. And, and I have actually tried to express what I call pragmatic SRE. Like you don't, you're not Google, you're an investment bank or you're, but so like, there's a whole story there, but, but one of the things I loved about what Damon really exposed was, and like he went and talked to the original, you know, some of the people that were sort of showing up in that, you know, pre SRE con presentations and, in general, it was just, it's a point for a convergence for improvement. So one of them might be you can't deploy no more, but that's not realistic in enterprises at right. all. But the other is maybe it's a, a technical debt sprint. Maybe it's a, a resource. Right. right. It's it's like there we've hit this thing. So now let's figure out what we're at an improvement. Uh, we've broken a, you know, a, a level of, of where we need to improve like we proved it to right. ourselves and so you know it could be slow down deployments but it could also be why don't we do the next two weeks as just an improvement sprint why don't we yeah. do uh you know why don't we bring in um you know a consultant to help us right. understand improvement right or why don't we read a deming book no but but uh but yeah mm -hmm. no I, so i think that a lot of people think that um error budgeting is just stop deploying code and then all the enterprises like, yeah, those young kids don't understand how a bank works. But like the pragmatic well, yeah. is you and that's can, fair. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's and it's based on data and it's 
Yeah, it's it's an ability to have a reasoned conversation, right? It's a point that's at which exactly you have right. a reasoned exactly conversation. That's right. About I think it was Jazz that used that phrase one time, reasoned conversation. And I always love that. I love that phrase because it's just like, let's talk about it and let's figure out how to approach this. But I think, and and so I think, you know, you, you know, if we really live the spirit of DevOps and the spirit of SRE, it always comes down to communication and collaboration. It's so much of what Deming talked about, right? Is like people just got to figure out how to get along and work together and you know, think about the system and don't just think about your own individual little thing. And so I think some of those concepts like error budgets that that promote that conversation right. are, are, are super interesting, right? Those are really good tools. That promote oh. commu- collaboration. I, I, um, I, I sort of played around with, I don't know if it'll be blog article, it's certainly not going to be another book at this point. Uh, not that I won't write another book. Um, actually, I'm writing another book, but... Um, that you know that like all the things that Deming would be like totally frustrated. There was a I was telling a story. There was an Isaac Asimov short story I read years and years ago about Shakespeare coming into the future and taking a community college course on Shakespeare, right? And it was like, oh my god! And then he got a, like a B minus or something, you know. But but uh, but I, I think like some yeah. type of where if Deming came back and he looked at him like, no, 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 that was good, that was good. But why are you still doing this? Why? Why you exactly. know? Why is the largest? You know, you know, um, you know, thirty percent of the top twenty. You know, you, if you strip out the the cloud based ones, companies. Almost everybody's cloud based these days, but like if you looked at them, there's probably sixty percent is still what he would call in the prevailing system of management, right? Still today, and right. and you know, I, I did this sort of. Uh, he would go crazy. So, yeah, he'd, he'd be furious. He'd be like, like just like he was furious with like America after World War Two, right? Um, you know, even the red bead. I'm like, I and I wrote a sort of tongue in cheek blog that said that if he saw that we didn't take the red bead experiment. Any further than it was when he died, I think he would just be disgusted with everybody, you know. So, yeah, it's um. Well, and he, I think sometimes he like I was just having this conversation with somebody about this whole great resignation thing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So Demi would be like, "Ah, I told you so." <laughs> he would be like, "I predicted that in 1930." Mm-hmm. Like, why are you people surprised that this is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I do think there are some things where he just would shake his head. And I, I, I would like to think there are some things that he would would be encouraging to him. Like, I just did um, every January. I do I, I call it state of little presentation, state of IT service management, and okay. and I talk about agile and lean and DevOps and how all they work, they all work together. But one of the things I talked about is the fact that every year for the last few years, we've seen sustainability go up on the list of priorities for CIOs. Currently, the kind of most current stat was that like 57% of CIOs consider sustainability, you know, one of their top three priorities. And, you know, a ridiculously high percentage, like 74% of CEOs um, think their company is going to be out of business in 10 years if they don't change the way they're doing things, which is, you know, that's a big number. So, um, and he talks so much about sustainability. So I think he would be very encouraged to see us finally talking about, you know, the need to think, think about future generations, not to think, to start thinking about our community, what's going on in our communities, to start thinking about the impact we're having on the environment. Um, You know, it's all a system, right? right. He would be so deep into that. Um, Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially, you know, especially if you live to be 130. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. but, you know, the the other thing, I mean, it, it isn't like it it is frustrated, you know, and I was going to, you know, I, I, I'll put it as a show note, but Andrew Clay Schaefer, who I worked with and Jay Bloom and Jay Bloom has this uh, recommenting idea and it and I always struggle to explain it because they're so much smarter than I am and better at explaining it. But it's the idea, like, we keep going, like, why Why do we have these framework wars? Or now we're having, like, platform engineering versus SRE versus DevOps. Like, it's just, like, stop the nonsense. And 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 I think Andrew, even though it was Jabe's sort of theorem, if you will, um, the, you know, like, like we have to sort of get, uh, like, work on the selfish interests. Let's, we have selfish interests. 
And this recommenting, and again, I'm doing a terrible job, and I'll let anybody who listens go look at Jabe's writing about this because it's fascinating. Because I keep thinking, like every time I have these conversations with people like you, and like, like we just we just keep sort of losing at scale, right? Uh, you know, um, like we get better mm-hmm. in some ways, and there are definitely, and even in my book, I do an interesting comparison between um, with Jeff Wilkie at. Um, at Amazon, who was the number two guy when he retired, Jeff Bezos said he was the most important guy. He built he built distribution centers. He was a lean six sigma, right? right? He came right. in with that background where we know where lean comes from, right? And and then um Tim Cook at the same time brought in by Steve Jobs to try to solve the distribution problem for a new way to ship, you know, hardware and computers. And they both came in around the same time. They both came from the lean six sigma background or all those tenants of tqm and we can we can trace that all back to deming so so you think okay indirectly deming had this the positive influence is apple and amazon and then like you'd argue maybe those aren't positive but like from like oh my goodness the world has changed in technology and human you know so so there are a, a good list of you know things that but there still are the frustrating things I think that you and I like constantly sort of battle. Well, and I think what those organizations have hopefully taught us is, you know, it's we often hear, you know, innovation or operational excellence. And you kind of have to understand that innovation is an aspect of operational excellence. So you have to build this foundation of operational excellence. Like some stuff has to be standard, right? Right. And that's kind of a lot what Deming talked about, right? Some stuff has to be standard ways of working because otherwise you're just, you, you, you can't go fast. You just can't. Like if everybody's constantly doing their own thing and you're constantly reinventing the wheel, you need to understand that you're going slow. And so if you want to go fast, you have to build this foundation of operational excellence. But what we have to recognize is that part of that is constantly continually improving and constantly innovating. So we can't ever think we're done. We just can't. And yeah, that yeah, it's, yeah, 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 it's, it's a fundamental principle of total quality management. The processes are never done. Um, and, and, and we just, we kind of have to recognize that. And I, and I think also we, you know, today I find that even people think that processes are an outdated notion and like everything you do is a process. Like everything you do is a process. You can change the names and you can change the faces all you want, but everything you do is a process. And all this automation we're talking about today, how do you automate something? You define a process, you define a repeatable way of doing something, and then you apply technology to it. Yep. So um, I think, and, and, and understand that automation gets you stuck in a moment in time. Right. It's it's kind of what automation does. It keeps your process. And when on the good on the good side, it keeps your process stable. But in the bad side, it keeps your process stuck in a moment in time. So for all the organizations that have spent a fortune implementing, you know, service management systems and having updated their workflows through the years, they need to understand that they're stuck in whatever moment in time yeah. it was that they automated that workflow. So we even have to get good at going back in and looking at the automation. And I always, I'm constantly, you know, John, I'm five years from retirement. So like on one hand, I'm like thankful because I hate to be 30 today and wondering how I'm going <laughs> to ma- maintain a career. You know, what what am I going uh, to do? You have a blast. I know. You, you. Right. But yeah. um, in the same respect, I I always look at, this constant cycle of jobs getting obsolete, and when jobs get obsolete, they create right. new jobs. So, what are the new jobs going to be? Yeah, yeah. And and I think some of the people that are going to be successful in the future are going to be the people that understand that it starts with the process. Technology. That that technology is used to improve the efficiency and the effectiveness of a process. But you need you do in fact need to start with the fact that we're trying to get something done or we're trying to solve some problem and, and, and then we can apply uh, technology to that. I think people think, I think sometimes people in the IT industry think technology leads the way, but in fact, the need to get something done is what leads the way. 
-hmm. and then you apply the current technology helping you do that. I, I, that's I my it. way of viewing it. No, and, and you're you're so right. It's like what you said earlier about like trying to tell, hey, can we all agree that there is change management? And it's I think you're right. It's sort of a next battle. Because there, you know, there's a you said earlier about like we still don't really implement Deming's ways or understand how to implement. So Deming had a quote like in the eighties. Um, and I think it was, I, I, I'll find the right one, but it's, it said that um, it would be, um, you know, 50 years before people understood Schuett's work, right? And, 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 and we still don't. Right. And, and, um, and here's the thing, right? Um, it might have been in the 90s, because I think it was like going to be 2030 if we did the math properly. But um, your point about process is like, if you look at what, you know, a large, piece of Deming's work, we all know came from Schuett. If you look at Schuett's work, it was about process. And so when we, like, just like the sort of people in DevOps, myself included, it had to be sort of like, can we at least commit that there is change management? Um, and, you know, there's, you know, I think yeah. what we're missing to your, I think your point that I love that you expressed is that we are missing process improvement in all this wang fancy wangle dangle technology uh, because, you know, they, it goes back to something I said earlier, like, you know, when I, you know, my latest learning about what Deming would call analytical statistics is all around understanding a process, you know, like right. using the data to let the process tell you without really any specifics about it's the data, you know, instead of use, using your so human instinct or bias, you get an unbiased, you will just cross control, common cause. And like, again, we're, we're at the 54 minute right now, but, but, um, but the, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that is sort of one of the most deepest missing pieces of Deming's message to the modern world is what he learned, you know, almost exclusively through Schuert, which is how to understand a process. And, right. and that is almost, I mean, I can't think of any IT infrastructure DevOps shop. And if there is one out there, please ping me that actually runs this cross control um, in, in a modern, you know, sort of cloud-based right. Kubernetes cloud native infrastructure. I would love to hear of one. And the question I would ask, why not? Yeah. Well, in understanding variation and understanding, you know, kind of, we don't have time for the root cause analysis ramp. We'll have to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, in fact, we're going to have to do a part two. Yeah. I, do, <laughs> yeah. I, I got a um, call coming out. Because let me just say, I, I, I like, I have tried and, People I, have I, helped me get closer, but I, I've tried to understand why the, the DevOps community pushes back. I, I, so you know, I know the answer to this. I do have the answers, but oh, okay. What's I, the I only have five minutes. So if we want to just hop on a calendar and then and do a yeah, part yeah. two. Okay. I, I think I, 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 I've studied, um, you know, Sydney Decker, Docker Woods, all those. Really, the because um, the other one that we could like graph on to, graphed onto is um, situational awareness. The the, I, the the resilience people have a, an aversion to that, and I really had to I had to figure that out because John Osbar asked us to take any references out of the DevOps handbook, and we did. And then Gene snuck one in, not but and I and in the final edit, I had to go back and tell Gene I think we should take this out, but I had to do a <laughs> ton of research to be able to give the reason why, and 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 it, that just opened up. You know, and then I've gotten to know Sydney Decker a little bit, and I, I really, um, I, I think uh, we. Long story short, let's have another call, and I think I can. Yeah. And what you're going to find is it's stuff that you already agree with. It's just worded right. different. It's a different way yeah. of thinking about just like change management, just like process. Yeah, but and and I'm like I've had some insights, but I listen to me, but. <laughs> um, you know, getting back to process, it's understanding kind of what are, you know, at what point are you out of control and what's causing you okay. to be out of control and, and how, you know, right, how do we, how do we get the variation down to a level that is acceptable? Because it is that it's that ongoing balance between enabling innovation and enabling, you know, us all to go, you know, as fast as we possibly can 
within control, right? But while still having control, while, while still having kind of that foundation of operational excellence that lets us not all constantly fight with each other and conflict with each other. Okay, we can't, we can't get in each other's way, that sort of thing. A couple of pals is, you know, that one of, you know, Topal is an amazing human in every way, technically, you know, personally. I mean, I love what he says, just because you can go fast doesn't mean you necessarily should. So right. but I do need to um, wrap up. Um, tell people where they can get a hold of you if they, you know, they wanted to sort of reach out to you and, you know, sort of have discussions or whatever. So I work for ITSM Academy, itsmacademy.com, dnap at itsmacademy.com. I'm on LinkedIn as well. So go ahead and hop on up to LinkedIn and uh, I'd love to hear from people. We're going to have a part two because we'll do the whole breakdown of okay. situation awareness and root cause analysis. And we'll have yeah, that. Yeah, I would love to talk about root cause analysis. We're going to have I, it. We're, let's yeah, do it. I'll, let's do I'll it. Get a calendar invite. It'll be fun. It'll be fun because yeah, yeah. I've uh, I spent a lot of burn because I was like you. I I had to um I had to battle some really smart people and I had to fully understand. I had to do the homework to be able to have those I've, I've had two hour conversations with John Osbar and things like this and Sydney. Okay, good, good. And, okay. So I'm not I, alone. In my yeah, yeah, no, no, I didn't, I didn't come in and like, Oh, you're right. I'm wrong. It was it, but I had <laughs> like, the, so with the minute I got left is I did have that visceral. I think everybody who is old school wish has that right. visceral reaction to it. And I did, you know, unknowingly did exactly what you said that you, you do, which is, I had to go find out from the people who I wow, respected. Yeah. Like I, I, I think John Osp, I think the world of John in every way. And I'm like, why is this person who's so smart, like saying something that I so disagree with? Yeah, and, and exactly. That, that portal, I, I, I found Sidney Decker, and and I just had a sort of worldview where I was able to sort of get to a place where like we're saying the same thing. It's just that we, we're we're painting different colors of okay. what. But we'll do that. Well, anyway. I've had I've had three insights that have gotten me a little closer to understanding. So hopefully you're going to give me that fourth insight. Yeah, I, I think okay. well, we can't. It'll be a fascinating. Either way, it'll be a fascinating podcast. So um, <laughs> I do got to go. And this was just delightful. Donna. All right. Yeah, I agree. I had a good All time. Right. Thank you so right. much. Bye bye. Have a good one.